0: Welcome to part two of The Gospel According to Cassie Vincentorio. In part one, we explored Cassie's junior progression through junior sport and her desire to represent Australia in touch football. She shared her excitement at being selected into the Australian squad to trial for the Australian team. In part two, we find out about Cassie's disappointment at not making the Australian side in her first two attempts and how she used that disappointment as a motivation to achieve her dream. At the end of part one, we left Cassie in Sydney at the Australian trials with her eager father, Peter Feldman, cheering on from the sideline. But she would later receive a phone call advising she was unsuccessful in her selection bid. Peter reflected on the news and how he felt as a father, trying to pick his daughter up after such disappointment. As Cassie explains, you're the most constant figure in her life that has encouraged her in her sport and her pursuit for achieving yeah. her goals. How does it feel when you're full of excitement that your daughter's been accepted into mm-hmm. squad to trial, and then to get um, a, did you get a phone call from yeah. her saying that she didn't make it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, she was in tears. I was in tears too. <laughs> but but yeah, look, it's um. Oh, I've got a policing background, so we we're sort of problem solvers. Police police are very much problem solvers. So for me, it was okay. Uh, let's dust ourselves off and find out where we went wrong, and then move forward and and try and improve what they say that we that we needed improving. And that that was all fine. That gave her focus, and she focused on that. The problem was that the next one, we went to the second one. She went there and she was told that she'd improved everything that they'd, they'd told her to improve, um, and then she still didn't get selected. So that after that one was far more difficult trying to get her mindset back to to, to focus again on what she needed to do to, to get selected. And as a parent, that was more difficult because sometimes you have to, there's that tough love and you have to be brutally honest with your children to say, well, look. As much as they think that they're going, they've, they've got all the skills in it and that they're travelling well, you have to say it on sometimes, well, look, you need to improve in that area there or that area there. That can be tough as well, but it has to be done, you know, if, if you want to achieve at that level.
2: You get the phone call from the coach and he does the spiel of, oh, I'm really sorry and I guess I I sort of at that time felt like it was coming because I felt so out of the loop and then he obviously gives you feedback and the first thing I did after I got off the phone is went straight back and worked on it and I guess being a PE teacher, a lot of kids don't do that and that's what I guess I'm trying to instill here in the TOUCH program is the fact that. There's so many knockbacks and there's so many things, but the feedback you get, you can either take it either way, like I could have done the same thing I did with the triathlon and give up or go out and fix what a coach has told you to fix and I went straight out and fixed it. So what was
0: the feedback you got?
2: At that stage, it was just that he felt like I, (laughs) this is going to sound very strange didn't hold the ball in a I held the ball really weird in a while I was running and he just said it was really hard and I he felt like I wasn't in a position to be able to make a decision to pass quickly and look he was really good and he actually went through exactly how he thought you know I should fix things and I did and then the two years later I made the next Australian (laughs) squad And he actually said to me, oh, my gosh, you've actually worked on this. Like I can see that you have tried really hard. Got knocked back again but for a very different reason. So So what was the
0: reason this time?
2: Defense. Just said, I just don't think that on the line that you're going to get there. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And he's like, I think you you need to work on your speed.
0: Peter has a wealth of experience in touch football. I wanted to drill down a bit on why he thought Cassie didn't get selected for the Australian squad, particularly in the second non-selection. You have experience in touch football. You have a stronger Mm -hmm. knowledge than you would in any other sport you helped Cassie Mm -hmm. with. That yeah. second time did you actually think there was any real reason why she shouldn't be selected or did you just think she didn't capture the eye of the selectors?
1: In every sport there's always an element of politics involved in in selection process and and look I think she had definitely the ability and the skills to be selected at that second selection trial but a lot of it comes down to the coach's individual preferences and and players that they want in certain positions and, and certain things that they see. So for me, it was that she did nothing wrong and that she did everything that she possibly could to get selected. It just wasn't her time. As difficult as that was, and it's difficult to actually say to somebody, we've well, done everything right, you just can't do anything more. It's just, just not your time. And just keep working at it. It's very hard for somebody to, to continue to remain focused for the next one, if you know what I mean, what, what, what do I need to do to make sure I get selected the third time? And I, I will tell you, Jeff Hooper has been, her coach from Brisbane has been absolutely wonderful in getting her to where she has because uh, as much as I've been, as much as my touch football background and, and I've been, you know, she's told me I've had a huge influence in her career, I, I probably have, but it needed that independent person also to to point things out to her that even that I mightn't have seen, you know, um, she needed that. Um, And he, he has certainly been also a huge factor, a huge influence in getting her to that Australian level.
0: We heard from Cassie's mentor and coach, Jeff Hooper, in part one. So I thought I would speak to him further about how he helped Cassie get past the disappointment of not making the Australian team and what he did to refocus her back on her goals.
3: Our coaching isn't just about just what happens at the field. It's also helping develop and getting ready for those camps because those camps take a while to get a natural feel to them, especially if you're on the borderline of making a side. So progressing Cassie through, basically changing her role of how she used to play and taking on a new role um, within a team that's more suited to her achieving those higher level
0: things. Talking about that role, and I'm by no means am I a touch football coach or any have any sort of uh, knowledge in the area, but I did watch the games where she participated in the World Cup and it was clear that when she came onto the field, the speed from the ruck was so much faster. Is that something that you worked with her on?
3: Yeah, well, that's her role change. So that was a big conversation back in 2016, I think we had that. Cassie, we had a lot of young girls that are phenomenally talented. They're playing at Queensland level and elite or like that NRL touch level. They came through our side basically because Cassie found them into our side at 16, 17. And Cassie had to go from being the dominant player to more of a working role for those players. And that's something we've been working on with her roles as she goes higher up. So from representative level at nationals to state. Her role changes to be that worker that actually works on driving and keeping the side going forward and doing all the dirty work for a side.
0: But how do you as a mentor encourage her to keep going?
3: One of Cassie's good attributes is that she will work on trying to fix things. So She knew she was close. She just needed to work out what. So we spend time then working on those skills that she needed to get to the next level. So if something was missing, we spend time at training and developing those skills, because if she needs them, then other players need them anyway as well. So we then look back and go, all right, we need to fix certain things, and Cassie will do all the work to do it. So you set a program, and Cassie's at the program all the time. And even when she missed out, we had to work on getting her motivation back. So she actually went into a lull or just didn't feel that she was ever going to make it and why she was she doing it. So that was actually a hard period as was about six months where we actually had to work on getting Cassie's motivation and love for the game back. Finding things that actually she enjoyed about the game and focusing on them and working on those to then start to work on the harder things that weren't quite as enjoyable.
0: Was there a breakthrough moment that you as a coach and mentor saw where Cassie actually broke through that disappointment and then started being future-focused? Once we got
3: closer to state of origin, so once she we went to nationals again and she got into that squad, so into that Queensland squad because it's a different squad again, she realised what she was doing was working and it became a bit more apparent that, hey, I can get there, and then the motivation came back. It's always hard because as an as a athlete, it is hard the training does get hard all the time, but that was the real one when she worked out that she could make that Queensland side with some very, very good players in the history of women's Open in Queensland, she could hold her own and make that side. That was more of the breakthrough for her to go, I can actually do it. This is actually working. And, yep, I thought the work was starting to pay off.
0: Cassie reflects on her experience at finally making the Australian team.
2: Again, went and worked on it and made the third Australian squad and I actually got picked in two squads. So I got picked in the 27 women's, which I'd trialed for the previous two and then I got picked in the 30 mixed squad and I get in first day of the training camp, which to be fair, I'd just been on my honeymoon for five weeks overseas. And I got back and then following weekend was training camp. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so underprepared. Whereas the other two training camps, I felt like, well, at least I had four weeks. And the other training camp, I had at least eight weeks. I'm like, this is so bad. I'm just going to bomb out again. And I went, oh, i got nothing to lose. Why not? Just give it a crack. Got there and they went, we're not going to, nah, you're not trialing for the 27s. And I was like, what? I just, but I got a letter for both and they're like, yeah, the mixed coach wants you to be over there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't played mixed in four years, which I'd previously played. I then started to get back into that negative mindset of, oh my gosh, this is not a good, this is not going to happen. And I rock up and again, more nerves, Scotty Prince is there, And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing of my life. Like, I'm just going to look like an idiot. And he was so helpful. Like, I was so nervous because I'd never really met him before and he's next to me and he's going, oh, you know, this is what you need to do and, you know, I'll help you out. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is really good. I ended up, being flitted between both teams for a couple of sessions because the 27s coach was like, no, I want to have a look at her. And so there was arguments going on and I'm like, okay, this is awkward.
0: Let me interject here for a moment to clear up two things. The first is Scotty Prince. For those who don't know, Scott Prince is a Queensland State of Origin rugby league player. He played for Brisbane Broncos, North Queensland Cowboys and West Tigers, who as captain, he led to the NRL Premiership in 2005. He played for Australia and has previously won the Clive Churchill medal. He was a remarkable rugby league player and moved into touch football after retiring from rugby league. The second point of clarity is the word flittering. To be honest, I actually thought it was a word that Cassie made up, but I went and checked and it is a real word. The definition is to move quickly in an apparently random or purposeless manner. Anyway, back to flittering.
2: I ended up being flitted between both teams for a couple of sessions because the 27s coach was like, no, I want to have a look at her. And so there was arguments going on and I'm like, okay, this is awkward. Yeah. So I ended up most of the time being in the mixed and then got picked randomly (laughs) for mixed and I was like okay like all right this is weird like when the coach called me he was like oh so do you want the good news or the bad news and I was like oh my gosh like oh give it to me go bad news and he's like you're playing wing and it kind of I had to register and I was like I'm playing I'm playing and he's like, yeah, he's like, you're in. He's like, that's the good news. And I was just in tears because I was like, I just couldn't thank him enough because I just said to him, obviously having two knockbacks and then, well, I feel like it's three for the 27s and being told that there's many different things, I was like, what is it? Like what, you, what has he seen that this other coach hasn't seen? And I wish I, had, I, wish I could have asked him.
0: The selector that Cassie is referring to is Michael McDonald. Michael is a New South Wales touch football coach and selector and an Australian touch football coach and selector. He is a very busy person, but I managed to track him down and ask him what made him select Cassie. His response was emphatic.
4: Attitude and willingness to learn, and she fitted into the blend. Some people... Want to be there, or they don't want to be there, or they think they should be in the women's 27 side, say for Australia, rather than mixed. Some people see it's, uh, it's just a bit of a downfall, but she didn't come across as that attitude. Once I'd spoken to her a few times, she knew she had to put her head down and compete to make the side, as we had about 10 girls trying for seven spots. But overall, I was quite content and pleased with Cassandra's attitude. The way she fitted into the side, the way she wanted to learn what mix was all about. She's come into a side that's been the last two World Cups, gone against quality New Zealand teams and absolutely pulverized them. Probably the last two teams have been the best senior mix teams Australia's put on the paddock. New Zealand hadn't been beaten for 10 years, I think, more than 10 years, up to 2015 when we beat them in Coffs Harbour. So Cassie, she's come into a pretty outstanding team.
2: It's funny because as soon as he called me and he told me, the next thing they say to you is, but you can't tell anyone because, well, you can tell a couple of people that are close to you, but you can't really tell everyone because it needs to be posted in two weeks' time on social media. And I'm going, okay, who can I tell that's like not going to tell everyone? Obviously my parents and my husband. and." I'm in tears on the phone going, I can't believe this is happening. And obviously dad in his proud moment because he's he knows how hard I've worked and he's been out there training with me and he's he's crying. And
0: Who's the first person you call? Him. So you call your dad?
2: Mm-hmm. Even though I live with my husband, I didn't even go and run and tell him. I just went straight to my phone. I'm
0: sure you've barely been married for long.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you go to your dad. Yeah.
0: Please explain that phone call.
2: I just – I said to him, I just received a phone call from the Australian coach, mixed coach, and he – obviously his reaction was the same as one, oh, mixed, and I was like, yeah, and he's like, oh, okay. He's like, what did he say? And I was like, oh, he had some feedback. He wanted to tell me the bad news first because I said, obviously – I want to hear the bad news. And then obviously because I said that, he was like, oh, no, there's another one she's missed out on. And I said, oh, the bad news was that I'm playing wing. And he went silent. And then I said, so I'm in. And we both were just like that almost weird hysterical like crying but laughing like, oh, my gosh, this is actually happening. Like, And he was just so proud, yeah. He was. He then hated me after because he thought I stitched him up with the bad news stuff. And I said, well, how do you think I felt on the end of the phone to the coach when I'm having to wait for bad news?
0: I asked Peter what was going through his head when he received the phone call from Cassie about the news of her selection. So talking about that Australian level and she did trial the the third time yeah. Now I, I I have heard about the phone call that she made to <laughs> tell you the good and the bad news. Can yeah, you tell yeah. me about that phone call and how you felt when she told you the news?
1: She she said to me, because she, she was she was eligible for two squads. I think and she told me she, the bad news was she missed out on one squad, and uh, and I I thought, oh, what am I going to say here? And then and then she told me that she got selected. You know. You hear about people talking about their hearts bursting with pride. I was in tears and and just couldn't explain the way I felt because it was going through the journey that she had. You know, the two um, non selections to the to the one. You know, it was probably even was probably even more sweet the fact that she'd made she'd made it after all that effort. Um, I don't know what I would have done if she hadn't got selected. Because I'm not, sure, I'm not sure how we were going to pick her up. Pick her up, and there was certainly that. There was certainly that uh, that fear that oh my god, she said she hasn't got selected again when that call was made, and it was it was a, it was a feeling of of relief, but also huge pride too. She she was in tears. I was in tears. You know, and. and uh, the one thing about it, you know, we went over to Malaysia to watch her and the, and the one thing I said to her is that, that that's something that that people can never, ever take away from her. She's now an Australian representative and she'll always be an Australian representative. Um, that can't be taken away from her um, and, and she deserved that. She really did.
0: What an incredible journey for a father mm-hmm. to, yeah. to be able to receive a phone call mm-hmm. after so many knockbacks and... Fathers, I guess, are a bit different because they want to be able to fix everything and he can't. No. But to get that news would have been an amazing experience. He's done
2: a lot of pick-me-ups. I guess after the triathlon he did the, I guess, touch was his his sport. So the coaching aspect, he was a little bit, bit more like suck it up, more than the other sports that I'd played. But I would never have played or have been as passionate if it wasn't for him. And still now we get, you know, we play socially together in the same team and I cherish that because there's not a a lot of um, sports that you can actually play and get to play with someone that you admire so much. So to see him achieve some of the things that he has in the sport also makes me super proud because I know, you know, we spend hours passing the ball together and he's doing that for me and selfishly I'm doing that for me and he just does it because he cares and he wants me to do really well. It's so unselfish and he he's just a really great man. I'm very, very lucky.
0: <laughs> Certainly. Can you talk to me about when you first put on – an Australian jersey.
2: So nerve-wracking. They do like a jersey presentation in front of everyone. And it's funny because our jerseys were delayed as in we didn't get the training gear while we were training. So we were just training in normal gear. And I'm going, oh, I was like, really looking forward to that gear. Like that's, you know, so exciting. And then we got our stuff in Malaysia. We had a jersey presentation. And again, my mom and my dad flew all the way over to Malaysia and obviously, as a touch player, it's, it's not an expensive sport, but you do have to pay your own way. So, we also had to pay to go over. And so, it's me, mum, dad, we're all paying, you know, this money to go over and um, we're all sitting in rows like kids and um, on an assembly and they call your name out. And I just, you know, you're getting up walking up in front of all the other Australian players and receiving your jersey. And it was just the best moment. I think we that we had a the CEO of Touch Football Australia say to us, only less than one percent of the touch players that play in Australia get to put on the green and gold jersey. Less than one percent. Everyone in the room, you could just hear, just go, oh, like this is such a big deal.
0: And it is. You went over to Malaysia to the Touch Football World Cup. Mm-hmm. How was that experience?
2: It was amazing and I was really lucky because the team that I was playing in, obviously you have Scotty Prince who everyone sort of admires and knows and obviously not particularly for touch but obviously his NRL. But I was more excited about playing with the touch royalty that was in there. So there was only two Queenslanders in the team, so there was me and Princey. And then there was another girl who was brand new to Mixed Touch as well. She was from Canberra and the rest were all from one region in one team (laughs) that had all played together before. And they had won out of 10 national titles or 10 years previous, they had won nine national titles together. And I get to be a part of that team. And I'm going, I've watched them play at nationals for nine years and win. And you go, oh, I wish I'd be a part of that team. And now I get to, but we get to wear an Australian jersey. It was really special.
0: And how did you guys go in that World Cup?
2: Oh, uh, we won. I guess I can say I'm a world champion. I don't like saying it like that. <laughs> so,
0: but it's true, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yeah. You can't
0: undervalue what you've done it's a lifetime pursuit Mm -hmm. you're in another country representing your country with incredible players you win a world cup
2: you don't realize how important the world cup is like it is for people like me who were debuting and we you know it's the first time we um, get to do this and But watching the other countries and their admiration of the Australian teams are just incredible. Like we got our medallions and there was hundreds of other countries or other people from other countries out the front of our tent crying because they wanted an Australian jersey. And I'm looking back going, I'm just this country girl, like what is going on? And I ended up swapping a jersey. I went and bought another one because I wanted to keep my number. (laughs) Went and bought another one and just swapped it with a girl from Chile. And we got a photo together and she was bawling her eyes out going, this is just my dream to have an Australian jersey. And I'm like, you know, hugging this person it's inconsolable and it doesn't – It you don't realise how important it is for, for those people as well. Like I just – I was so humbled and just, yeah, it was just an experience I don't think – well, hopefully, maybe in the future I will have again but I just – if I don't, you just won't forget it.
0: Going back to state. Yeah. You're representing Queensland.
2: I actually – Represented Queensland six months before um, the Australian team, but I'd never made Queensland before either. So um, that was the first time.
0: And obviously in touch football, the same way as in rugby league, the Queensland jerseys are very – It's very... almost
2: more important than the Australian jersey.
0: And was that in the state of origin that you represented Queensland?
2: Yes, Yeah.
0: What's that experience like?
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's like no other. It's just – Because I played for Queensland first, I thought there was never going to be a moment where I was more proud to wear a jersey like that and then obviously I got the opportunity to play for Australia but I I do think because I'm very much an NRL, I follow that. I, I found it more passionate and more commitment to wearing that Queensland jersey than I did the Australian and I know that sounds terrible but... You know, we had Ali Brighenshaw, and she she spoke to us before we went out and played, and just they make it such a moment. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just the Queensland is one where I just yeah, I just go. I it's makes me speechless. the The atmosphere and the passion behind it is just incredible.
0: Ali Brighenshaw is no ordinary rugby league player. In fact. She is a superstar of Women's Rugby League, who played for Australia in two winning Rugby League World Cup teams, captain Queensland as a state of origin player, and captain the Brisbane Broncos, who won the inaugural NRL Women's Premiership in 2018. She is known by many as the best female Rugby League player on the planet. She was also a former junior Australian touch football representative there is no wonder that Cassie was moved by her words just before she went on to represent Queensland. In an interview with the QRL in 2019, Ali was asked what representing Queensland meant to her. This is what she had to say:
3: "Just passion. Um, my dad played for Queensland, so when I whenever I run out on that field, um, I think of you know him." pulling on that jersey and just imagine myself being my dad running out there and he's a very aggressive player so when I play for Queensland I'm very passionate but aggressive and, and want to get that win over New South Wales. I don't like them so that's something that I want to do when I go out there is be an aggressive player.
0: You pursue your dream for a number of years, you you give it up for two, <laughs> you get the spark back and then you represent Queensland, you represent Australia. What a great journey. Mm-hmm. What is the highlight of your sporting career
2: probably seeing how proud my dad was in the audience when I was putting on the green and gold but obviously getting the opportunity to to play for Australia like i said only you know less than 1% of people get to do that in that particular sport and and creating friends along the way like i've made you know amazing friends and I'm really lucky that I didn't give up on on touch and that I had people behind me to to push me because I wouldn't be where I am without those people and that support system
0: as a teach now and you teach physical education what what advice would you give a young player who's trying to chase their dreams
2: it's so simple but and everyone says this, but just don't give up. If it's something that you really want to do, you you do need to work hard. And I think that's one of the lessons that I'm trying to teach the kids here is that resilience. But if someone tells you you're not good enough, then you need to prove them wrong.
0: Can I say thank you?
2: Yeah, no, my pleasure. It's funny looking back because I don't get a lot of time to, to look back. I, I really need to go and ring my dad and be like, thank you.
0: Thank you indeed. I've had a wonderful time getting to know Cassie and her father over the past two episodes. In a world that is full of so many stresses, it is nice to reflect on the joyful parts of life. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. Cassie works as a physical education teacher at the Noosa Christian College in Corroy, Queensland. And it is no surprise that their major sport is touch football for both boys and girls. A big shout out to the students that are so lucky to have Cassie as their teacher, coach and mentor. Don't forget to follow Intense Sport on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or visit our website at intentsport.com.